Hi, everyone. This is Lindsay, one of the hosts of Yield Crime. Just wanted to give you a heads up that since you were listening to an earlier episode of Yield Crime, you may notice that the audio quality isn't the best. It does get better, I promise. If you are willing to stick with it, great. If you'd rather start with better quality audio, I would suggest skipping ahead to episode 19 when we purchased newer, better audio equipment. And on that note, thank you for listening and on with the show. So just to add on to all of this, let's throw in some gargoyles to continue on with the theme. (laughs) In the past, gargoyles were supposed to ward off evil spirits. What evil spirits are at an airport? Blucifer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's probably why they had to have the gargoyles to save them from Blucifer coming after them. Because, yeah, that looks like an evil spirit. Like, totally. Hi, guys. I'm Holly from Curly Conspiracies. I hope you liked the clip from our Denver airport episode. If you want to find out more about this conspiracy, go to curlyconspiracies.com or you can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Now, back to what you all came for. Hello and welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> are you? Because sing-songy can always be canadizey. <laughs> so, fun fact, I just got tested for COVID, and thankfully it's negative, but I still feel like shit. So that's a fun thing. I'm like 100% sure it's my yearly sinus infection. So I just need to reach back out to my care team and be like, drugs, please. Yeah. Like, so it wasn't COVID. What is it? Yeah. Like still feeling pretty, pretty miserable. Yep. Next steps, please. Right. Can't just be like, okay, you don't have COVID. Bye. I know. (laughs) They just like kick me off of cliff like in 300. (laughs) You don't have COVID. Get out of here. (laughs) Yeah. You still had a fever. Still have sinus pressure, right? Yeah. So I had a fever. I don't have a fever as of right now. I'm achy, tired. My head hurts. All the classic symptoms of a sinus infection. So, woohoo! Well, I hope we get back to you because that's such a frustrating middle to be in because there's only so many over the counter things you can do to try to help, but there are certain things that antibiotics just fix. Have you yeah. tried Afrin? Yes, I actually have a medicated spray that they gave me. So I tend to use that. Okay. I use the neti pot. I like the bottle. Yeah, I use the bottle. I don't use the actual like kettle looking thing because no, that, I don't like tipping my head at no. right degree angles. So no, mainly because I can't. That would be like me breaking my neck. So so you're doing great. I'm doing fabulous. So if I sound a little scratchy, I apologize. I am drinking hot coffee. So hopefully that will help with the scratchiness. How are you? I'm good. I am very tired and very sleepy. So I started sleeping on the couch last night, right? Mm-hmm. And then I woke up and there was a giant spider on my ceiling. Oh my God. 
And it's just, at first I was like, you know, you just go your way, I'll go mine. And then it kept getting closer and closer to where I was laying my head on the couch. And I was like, burn it down, burn everything down. (laughs) So I, I woke up, I inevitably woke the puppy up. So I took the puppy outside, he went potty. And we got him a harness with like a little like strap that you can like pick him up with, Uh which is incredibly convenient because you like, if you just want him moved, you just pick him up. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Like a suitcase. (laughs) So um, we went out, I moved to the bedroom and then the puppy snuggled all night and it was so cute. Aw, that's cute. He's a good boy. But then the second they, uh, he leaves, Willie takes his place and like... He's like, this is my mom. Basically suffocates me because he's like, I'm cute too. I can lay on you. And it's like, no, you're easily like 60 pounds heavier than he is. You easily weigh as much as a 12-year-old child. Yeah, like I will die. Well, maybe not a 12-year-old. It's a beautiful death. I'll take it. Death by puppy snuggling. Maybe a 10-year-old. So... After last week's super depressing episode, (laughs) like, yeah, I thought we would do something really funny this week. Okay, I'm ready. So this week, we're going to be talking about wig snatching. Oh my God. So not to be confused with like the Urban Dictionary term of wig snatching, like this now like popular slang now, this is Mm -hmm. actual, I'm stealing your wig off of your head type of snatching. Oh man. So this theoretically, I'm guessing it's like the big powdery white wigs. Yep. So this happened in like the 18th century. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so ready for this. That would be so hard to steal. Yeah. So information was pulled from the following sources. A 2019 blogger article by Rodama1789. It was actually a very informative site. So it was actually a few articles on her blogger that I referenced. Nice. A 2017 Alice Obscura article by Lauren Young. A 2017 Articulate article by Nikki Moger. 2013 A Historical Miscellany article by Cecilia Jane. And Encyclopedia.com. Nice. I love that Encyclopedia.com gave you information on wig snatching. I know. It's pretty funny. That's pretty great. So links to all these articles will be included in the show notes. Awesome. So wigs are, of course, artificial heads of hair. Yep. Wigs date all the way back to 2700 BCE. Damn. And have a long and elaborate history, uh, but nothing as colorful as the famous wig snatching spree that took place in the 18th century. Question. Yes. So those white powdery wigs, were they made out of real hair? I'll get into it. Okay, because I'm like, I, <laughs> do they have full synthetic? <laughs> Are they made of nylon? Do they have lace? No. So some of the earliest known wigs were constructed of human hair, beeswax, and animal hair by the Egyptians. I'm assuming like horses, maybe? Because it wouldn't be camel hair because camels have really short hair. What if they cut off their tails, trim their tails down? I wouldn't think that'd be long enough. I'm assuming it's horse hair. <laughs> the camel hair could be used for bangs. <laughs> it's the bangs. <laughs> Some beautiful sideburns. Camel bangs. And in addition, they were decorated with beads, ribbons, and gold pleats. And palm leaf fibers and wool were cheaper and widely used alternatives. Wool. Whew. Yeah, that'd be hot. 
Yeah. In, in Egypt, nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Ah. So the wigs themselves denoted many things, such as rank, religious piety, not to mention social status. Absolutely. They also serve the dual purpose of protecting the wearer from sun and vermin. Gross. The fact that you have to protect your scalp from vermin with wool <laughs> yeah, and some ribbons. So, ugh, vermin in your hair. Yeah. Ooh, okay. So men and women were also buried with their wigs in the hope that they would appear in the afterlife looking just as beautiful as they did when they were still among the living. Absolutely. Wigs will do that for you. Mm -hmm. During the Roman Empire, which is 27 BCE to 476 CE, elaborate hairstyles came into fashion for the wealthy members of high society, and both men and women would frequently use wigs to hide any shortage of hair. It's fair. And as time went on, the women of Rome began to wear more complex hairstyles, which included masses of corkscrew curls piled high on the front of one's head. Empress Messalina, for example, who was married to Emperor Claudius and lived from 22 to 48 CE, became famous for her complex and showy hairstyles. Nice. She was the trendsetter. Mm-hmm. She was the Paris Hilton of Rome. Nice. Instead of inventing a selfie, she invented the corkscrew curl. Yeah. And the noble women of the day would take great pains to emulate this look. And women who didn't have enough hair to achieve it wore wigs or added extra false hair to their own. Just like we do now. Yep. And it unfortunately became so popular that um, they began to use blonde or red hair that was bought or taken from enslaved people or prisoners of war from northern countries such as Gaul, which is modern day France, and Germany. Awesome. And fun fact, blonde hair, which had previously been associated only with Roman brothel workers, began to gain in popularity once the empress began to wear it. Interesting. So blonde hair was like the least desired hair. Yep. It basically marked you as someone who worked in the sex trade. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And it surged in popularity so much that the light colored trade of northern hair as well as red and golden, became a form of currency in Rome. You could buy groceries with wigs? Pretty much. Or like natural hair. Like, here's my ponytail. I mean, if it gets you the good avocado, I lob some of it off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially with that avocado. (laughs) Yep. So to like add another level of like already how sort of into themselves Roman women were. Sure sculptures even had wigs made really yep so they would put like wigs on top of sculptures no because the hair fashions of the time changed so much notable women who were of high enough standing to have their likenesses carved in marble wanted to be able to stay current with the fashions at the time so they would have hairstyles carved into marble that could be set on top of their bald statues wow yep i mean that's kind of cool it is, but at the same time, it's like, how no, fucking it's vain. Absolutely ridiculous and asinine, but like, it's kind of like a Barbie. Yeah. At that point, make your own, design your own Barbie. It's like Zeus forbid that Bekakis Karenakis doesn't have the good hair, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So wigs fell out of favor for a time until around the middle of the 16th century. And this was when the syphilis epidemic terrorized Europe. Mm. And the reason that was that caused the ways to come back into favor is because syphilis would literally cause the hair of those infected to fall out 
Oh, not good. Why did it fall out of favor? Is it just too expensive or? I'm not quite sure. But yeah, for a long time, wigs just weren't really a thing. So I'm not sure why. And until the 1500s, hair generally was a foundation for headdresses. And by the start of the 1600s, the hairstyles became taller and more elaborate. Yep. Requiring vast quantities of fake hair to enhance the wearer's own. And these are more of what we're used to today when when we think of like Marie Antoinette and like Mozart's time. So these were pieces... Yes. So these were pieces that were like created to go with your natural hair, not necessarily to completely replace it. Oh, okay. I mean, it's a mix of both. So for example, a proper toilet for hair during this time in history would see the hair gummed and powdered and false curls and ringlets were in vogue. Okay. So gummed is basically like think they're just covered in pomade. Yeah. Something to like keep it staying the way it is. Yep. Yep. And in some cases, the elite would have a complete head of false hair called a peruque. And the French version would go by many names, including peruque, periwig, and periwig, before eventually being simply called wig by 1675. Interesting. So that's where we got the name. Yep. And the wig surged in popularity at the dawn of the 17th century and was the height of fashion for men and women, with many choosing to shave their heads for better comfort and fit. That makes sense. And in fact, Louis XIV supplemented his hair before eventually agreeing to have his head shaved daily to wear a wig after his ascension to the French throne. (laughs) Daily. Daily. All right. And men of high status would be seen sporting long fluffed curls to denote their social standing at this time. Ooh, so they had more what we would consider to be feminine hair. Yes. So if you think of like paintings in that time, it's the men who would have like the really long curly wigs. Really long, like down to their waist. Yeah. Like at least to their shoulders, if not past their shoulders. Yeah. On that point, in the first half of the 17th century, men would wear their wigged hair long. And following the reign of King Charles II in 1630 to 1685, wigs became a staple in England in polite society and were mandatory for court officials and other high-ranking professionals. Ah, and they still do that today. They still do it today. And by the 1720s, men's wigs became shorter in length to more of a bob style. They invented the bob. Yep. So kind of think the ones where they had like the curls on the side and the tiny little ponytail on the back. Okay. They always look like they have soda cans. Yeah. It looks like they have like the big... Soda can curlers. Yeah. Which brings us to the 18th century, which was the time to own a wig. Got it. Fully embraced by the rich and famous, they became the it item for not only European men, but also those in colonial America. Fair. Various sizes, shapes, and styles were developed to meet the ever-growing demand, while the lower class had to make do with cheap hair pieces. Yeah, still happens today. Yeah. (laughs) And the 18th century marked the introduction of quote-unquote full-bottomed wigs which denoted considerable wealth. Those with the financial means would have a large wig for formal occasions and a smaller one they would wear about the home. And these full-bottomed wigs were the target of wig snatchers. Now, what do they mean by full-bottomed? Does that mean like... Really big, like tall, 
Okay. So like Marge Simpson style. Yeah. Think like beehive type hair. Got it. So I was trying to think full bottom. Like, does that mean just like a ton of hair? Yeah. Basically like like a ton of hair. Yeah. Okay. Gosh, I wonder how much that would weigh. So for those who couldn't afford a wig of their own, they would fashion their natural hair to look as wig-like as possible, which seems completely counterintuitive. Seriously. And by the time of the mid-18th century, white was the preferred color of wigs. Hmm. And their construction and maintenance is really disgusting. Can't wait. Paper mache. (laughs) Pretty much. So the wigs were first greased, then powdered with flour or a mix of starch and plaster of Paris using special bellows that would be used in one's personal home wig closet because apparently these things needed their own closet. I mean, if it has what I'm assuming animal grease Probably. and flour, I would want to keep that locked in one room too, because that would be really gross. Yeah. That would, just, I, so, that would smell so bad. Yeah. I imagine these things smelled rank. <sighs> and the advent of these elaborate wigs brought on new and lucrative trades, such as hairdressing, because the hair was dressed versus being cut. Interesting. And in 1767, the Honorable Mrs. Osborne wrote, Lady Strathmore's dress is the wonder of the town, her head a yard high and filled or rather covered with feathers of enormous size. So that just gives you an example of like what one of these wigs looked like. A yard high. Yep. So everyone was literally Marge Simpson. Yep. So women's wigs were particularly high up to two feet tall. Oh my God. Powdered and even bejeweled to the amusement of the lower class. And to achieve this look, hair was harvested from the rural working classes. Of course. And stretched over wire frames and hair pads in large quantities of false hair. And the whole thing would then be plastered with pomade and powdered with starch in a variety of colors, such as white, violet, pink, or blue. Hmm. And these elaborate wigs would often sit untouched for months at a time, but those with the money to burn could change their styles with greater frequency, obviously. Makes sense. An extreme example of this would be the bargain made between the famous hairdresser, Ballard, and the Comtesse de Mathion, with Ballard agreeing to provide her with a new headdress every day in return for a whopping 24,000 lira a year. How much is that now? I couldn't find that out. But basically, really? a lira is, I believe, I tried mathing it out because liras were only a thing for a short period of time before they transitioned to francs. But I believe one lira transferred over to like 10 francs. But then I couldn't figure out how many like francs would transfer over into euros. I couldn't figure out what the inflation would be, but basically a shit ton of money. Wow. And he would do this every single day? Yes. Not reusing anything, probably. Correct. I don't think you probably could if they were like essentially paper macheing it. Yeah. So wigs in this time were completely ridiculous and topped with such insane items as gardens, a ship in full sail, a windmill with farm animals, and even snakes. (sighs) I bet Taylor Swift would like that one. And full-bodied wigs would eventually fall out of fashion around the 1790s. Yeah, after everybody snapped their necks off wearing a two-foot-tall paper mache snake. Yeah, pretty much. Chimera attacking a ship. (laughs) Yeah. So part of why they went out of fashion could be due to the fact that 1770s hairstyles came at a price. 
They mm-hmm. were a breeding ground for fleas and lice. Gross. Yeah, I bet with like the flower and the the grease. grease. Yep. <laughs> Not to mention carriages weren't built to accommodate such ridiculous hair pieces. I kind of wondered how they would enter in like doorways and stuff because a lot of places too, like, you know. People were very short. Yeah, people weren't tall at the time. So if you were six feet tall, you were essentially a giant, a giant person. So I wonder if they would basically have to like bow at the waist to get through doorways. I don't know. Or like, hold on to your wig before you put it on to be introduced at a party or something. I don't know. God. But this basically meant that the ladies would have to sit or kneel on the floor of their carriages to travel. That's so dumb. Yeah. So dumb. So for a brief period of time following the French Revolution, natural hair once again came into favor versus the garish starched white of the 1700s. And this was pretty much as a result of the revolution and the fact that people who were still um, very financially secure didn't want to be associated with people of the social elite who were basically like beheaded and stuff during the French Revolution. Makes sense. Like you don't want to stick out like a sore thumb like you once did because it could be the reason why they murder you in the streets. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. And women's hair underwent elaborate transformations in the Victorian and Edwardian eras, mm-hmm. which demanded a large amount of false pieces or fronts to achieve these desired looks. And in the Edwardian era, big hair was back and the bulk of the hair was padded as these elaborate styles depended upon the use of pustiche or added hair. Padded front hair. Yep. So the styles included such items as fringes or bangs. Mm-hmm. Fronts, which were basically, they had sheer lace along the front that would rest along the forehead to trace the natural hairline. Interesting. Switches, which were basically used to create like ponytail type styles. Okay. Pompadour rolls, which was long hair that is swept back off the forehead in a roll. Okay. And frizzettes, which are frizzed or curly hair worn about the forehead to frame the face. Frizzette. That's a cute name. Mm -hmm. So hairdressers would have a workroom where the hair was prepared and combings were saved and drawn through a hackle, which is basically a flat board with metal teeth sticking upward Mm -hmm. so they could straighten out the hair. And then it would be sorted into a bundle to be curled into false pieces or with a use of a device which was either made of wood or hard clay called a big woody, which was basically just a curler. Interesting. Would it get hot? Well, so the, the hair wrapped around the big woody would be dropped into a mixture of water and soda and then boiled for several hours. Hmm, interesting. And then it would be unrolled and stored after it had dried. Fun fact, the same method of hair preparation hasn't changed since the time of the Egyptians. I was just going to say, I feel like I've seen that like little wood thing with spikes where, where people do, they like smack the hair and pull it through to brush it and straighten it out. Mm-hmm. Looks like a medieval torture device. Pretty much. And if not enough hair came from the combings, it would be supplemented with hair from other women, which again, hair soon became a hot commodity item. Mm-hmm. One famous source was the hair market at Morlans in the Pyrenees. Okay. And here, dealers would hold hiring fairs and literally purchase the hair from women's heads. That's crazy. So somebody could walk up to you and they'd be like, I'll buy your hair for like 10 francs or something. Yeah, X amount of money. Crazy. 
Hair was also imported from such faraway places as India, China, Asia Minor, and Japan. And prior to being prepared, it would be boiled in nitric acid to remove vermin and its natural coloring. Gross. Yeah. So this would be, they would still be kind of white then? Yep. They were stripping it of the color? Mm-hmm. Okay. When Maddie and I first came up with the idea for this podcast, I had no idea where to start. What platform should I host it on? How do I get us listed or track my statistics? And that's where Buzzsprout came in. Buzzsprout is the trusted host for over 100,000 podcasters, and it was easy to see why. With their directory integrations, it was simple to ensure content being published on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. From day one, I've been so impressed with how easy it was to get set up, and their customer support team has been so quick at getting back to me whenever I had a question or needed help. Not only that, but being able to get a comprehensive list of statistics on our show performance has been a fascinating read. If you're interested in starting a podcast of your own or making the switch to a new provider, please click the link on our show notes and get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan. Bonus, by clicking on our unique URL, you help support our show, which means we'll love you forever. So why not get started today? We did and couldn't be happier. Buzzsprout, the best way to launch a professional podcast. Do it. Do it. All right. Now that we've gone into this super elaborate history of wig making. Yep. So you know how disgusting they are. Pretty disgusting. I just, I can't get over the vermin in your hair. Like I just freaked out about a spider on my ceiling last night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I read somewhere that they basically had like little tools made where they could reach underneath the wig and like scratch their head and stuff. Mm. Like basically like tiny little back scratchers for your head. Gross. I was like, that's nasty. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to talk about the wig snatching. Yay. So there's a famous 1776 engraving that depicts a careful plot to steal an elaborate headdress from a wealthy woman. Mm-hmm. Her wig is enormous. It's trimmed in ribbons and lavish lace, but it is lifted off her head by a monkey perched on a wall, revealing her bare head underneath. Oh, funny. So you just hire monkeys. Great. Cool. Yep. Those monkeys. Where, where, how do you have the money for the monkeys? Like, if you can afford monkeys, why can't you afford wig? I'm like, where do these monkeys come from? Yeah, seriously. Like, monkeys aren't native to England. That's such a specific thing. Like, how are you training it to snatch wigs? Right? Well, and monkeys aren't native to England. So where are these monkeys no. coming from? Unless mm-hmm. they're being brought in on ships. Probably. Who knows? So... Remember those full-bodied wigs that we talked about? Yep, the Marge Simpson ones. Yep. So socialites in the 18th century had to be very careful when they were out and about because having one of those wigs basically screamed, I'm rich, Mm -hmm. to those of the lower class, and they were much easier to to steal than you might think. I'm actually not that surprised. I feel like it'd be so heavy. Like, if you get a good grip on it, it's yours. Yeah. And in fact, the types of theft range from the simple to the extremely elaborate mm-hmm. with creative robbers utilizing animals, long poles and young boys hauled on the shoulders of imposter butchers. Funny. Imposter butchers. What? Yep. So we're going to go into it. OK. So one of the most successful wig snatching schemes was surprisingly simple. The premise was it involved concealing young boys in baskets and under blankets. The boy would ride in the butcher's tray. 
that would be carried on the shoulder of a tall and presumably very strong man. And as the pair would approach their target, the boy would twist the wig off the target's head and then the butcher would basically take off, leaving the unsuspecting victim really confused and bald. Honey, you know, the, the only thing that comes to mind is like those those cartoons of like the little kids with uh, like piled on top of each other underneath a trench coat. Pretty much. Charity movie. Yeah. So the more elaborate plots would include the use of monkeys and sometimes even dogs. How would they use dogs? So, okay. So one boy would harass the wig target while another would seize the wig and toss it to the dog. And the dog would catch it and run away. Yep. And then the three would then run off in different directions, usually down alleyways before meeting up later to celebrate their success. So the dog would know to not run with the boys? Yeah, it would just, they would just train it to like, just take off. (laughs) That's insane. I'm just trying to picture like, what would you even do if you're like just walking down the street and all of a sudden see this dog like running with a wig in its mouth? Yeah. (laughs) And, And like, if they're that valuable too, would you like chase the dog and try to get the wig from the dog? Yeah, I would imagine it wouldn't look very good after the dog had gotten it. Dog's mouth, especially if it was covered in flour and grease and feathers. So wig snatching wasn't just a crime against the upper crust. Yep. I have a handful of examples of wig snatching from the urban elite all the way down the social ladder. Oh man. Okay, I'm ready. So in 1716, a man by the name of Christopher Matthews was accused of stealing a valuable wig. And even though by all rights, he was guilty of the crime because the chief prosecution witness never came to his trial. He was set free and acquitted of all charges. Dang. What was the what was the penalty for that? Like three years imprisonment. Really? Yeah. So it was a risky, risky move to steal wigs. Yep. Got it. And in 1725, a cloth merchant was, quote unquote, seized by the wig and attacked during a dispute. And this same shopkeeper later complained of another incident in the same year where a woman knocked off his wig and hat and trampled them. Ah, so like in an argument is like is like a fuck you. She she punched his wig off and stepped on it. Yeah. Damn. So I'm assuming the shopkeeper wasn't very well liked. In 1732, a goldsmith named Louis Savonk mm-hmm. accused his apprentice of throwing his wig in the mud. <gasps> a neighbor confirmed to the police after Savonk had requested if he could borrow a comb to take care of his spoiled wig. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, there's no way you can clean that stuff either. No. <sighs> I bet the fleas and vermin really liked it. <laughs> they were like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> mm, this is nice. Five out of five. Thank you. W- would stay again in this room. <laughs> it's got five reviews on Yelp. Right. Five positive Yield. reviews. Yield Yelp. And in 1767, a mason was accosted during supper and his adversary snatched his wig and threw it in the mud. Damn. The man then threatened to, quote, sweep the street with the mason's wig just before he left the establishment. Dang. Yeah. That's cold. That's yeah. some straight up h- hardcore bullying. Yeah. Instead of killing you, I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> I'm going to hurt your wig, which you probably can't yeah. afford to buy a new one. No. Especially a if you're yeah, yeah. So basically like a construction worker. <sighs> so nowhere was safe for the upper, cl- upper class and their precious wigs. 
mm-hmm. especially during travel. Oh, I bet. You hear of traveling bandits all the time. Yep. So in France and England, the elite had to be wary of highwaymen known as chittinglays who lurked behind hackney coaches. Oh. They have monkeys? No, sadly. Okay. The coaches were forced to roll slowly down narrow and poorly paved streets. And then the back of the socialized carriage would be sliced open before their wig was snatched. And then the highwaymen on horseback also targeted coaches where they would steal the wigs before riding off. Dang. So in the book, Gentlemen Rogues and Wicked Ladies, <laughs> which I want to read that book, a highwayman by the name of John Everett employed an interesting means of getting better wigs by forcing other men to trade with him. Interesting. So he would, he would trade a wig for a wig. Yeah. Okay. But by force. <gasps> nice. <laughs> so an example is as follows. Everett fancied a bobwig that sat atop the head of a Quaker seated in a coach with a number of other passengers. Everett pulled it off the man's head and swapped it with his own secondhand tie wig, which he had bought, not stolen. The tie wig made the man look like a comical devil, and the rest of the coach party burst out laughing. The robbery ended with all parties going their separate ways without any hard feelings, except perhaps from the Quaker. What? Yeah. (laughs) So... He like busted in there, swapped hats. Then everybody was like, <laughs> he looks like an idiot. And then they were like, <laughs> we're just gonna let this happen. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Fuck. <laughs> Bullying is fun. <laughs> it's not my wig. I don't care. So Everett was arrested not long after, and he was in prison for three years. Dang. So the Quaker didn't think it was funny. No, he was like, um, bitch, that was my wig. <laughs> Okay, so this next story is an unintentional wig snatching, but it is completely fucked up. Unintentional wig snatching. Yeah. So this snippet is taken from the March 17, 1777 edition of the journal Correspondence Littéraire. Okay. In default of political news, we like to publish stories to make you laugh. Here is one which will amuse you. The lieutenant general of police had a new wig made for his daughter's wedding. The wig was brought in a box by the wig maker's boy. Once work was finished, he asked for the box from his valet de chambre. But imagine his surprise when, in place of a senatorial wig, he found a dead infant. What? Mansour Lawar went immediately to find the master wig maker. The latter, realizing what had happened, was full of apologies. He recounted that his wife had given birth the evening before and the infant had died shortly afterwards. So he put the baby in a wig box. Yes. Apparently the two boxes had become confused. Oh my God. And the one containing the wig had been buried. No! <laughs> Thank you for your business. Here's a dead baby. What? Oh my God. This case of mistaken identity. Mistaken identity. Made the magistrate and his guests laugh hugely. And we are assured that the wig was exhumed and the dead infant buried in its place. Oh my God. I imagine being that servant. Like this is a really important wig for a wedding. And instead of a wig, it's a dead baby. Oh my God. (laughs) You'd be like, I'm going to jail for murder if I'm not murdered for not having this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I had to save that for last because that was just 
insane. Just insane. So to prevent theft, colonial wig makers would sometimes attach a drawstring or a small strap and buckle at the back of the wig so it could be fastened tighter on the wearer's head. Nice. It was snapback. Yeah. And even though wig snatching was prolific in the 18th century, only about 4.3% of all thefts were actually brought to trial. Yeah. And of those, 70% were found not guilty. Interesting. Just like insufficient evidence, probably. Probably. Probably just a case of like he said, she said type of thing. Nice. That makes sense. It'd be easy. Yep. And as wigs fell out of fashion at the start of the 19th century, large wigs lost their value and the incentive to steal them for profit or mockery all but stopped. Damn. And that is the interesting history of wig snatching. That's crazy. That's so crazy, man. Wow. So this week's podcast plug, I picked it on purpose. Okay. Because it's called Curly Conspiracies. <laughs> okay. And I thought it was very fitting with the hair theme. Absolutely. So Curly Conspiracies is a podcast run by Holly and Brooke, where yeah. they, every Theory Thursday, talk about a new conspiracy or mystery. That's so cool. And it's a really fun and interesting show. You should definitely okay. check it out. Absolutely. And we will have a link to it in our show notes. Awesome. So for this week's question, since our friend Erica is in the building. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Erica could ask us a question that we can answer. Oh my God, what? Yeah, do you want to ask us a question for a podcast? What's your favorite Disney movie? (laughs) Okay. That's a good one. That is a good movie. A good question. Disney movie. Oh, man. Do you have, do you know? I mean, if it's not Toy Story, I'm going to be mad. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Unsubscribe. Pointed question. (laughs) I no longer listen to your podcast. (laughs) I would say one of my favorite Disney slash Pixar movies has to be WALL-E. And I just, mainly because for one, it's a really cute movie. And two, I think the message that it tells Mm -hmm. is done in such a great way because there's so little dialogue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just a cute little story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just a cute little story between like a couple of different robots that, you know, I just thought it's a really cute movie. So that's one of my favorites. Mine is Monsters, Inc. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I just the voice acting, like I love the actors that play it. Um Billy Crystal I mean, and uh John Goodman. John Goodman. Yep. And then just you can quote it and boo. It, it was just it was such a a, a cute movie. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like the monster always getting the sock on him. <laughs> Talking about wig snatching. He yeah, had to be like, like shaved all the time. <laughs> Perfect. I know. And then like yeah. if uh <laughs> poignant. <laughs> if he like saw a sock, he would have like a nervous breakdown. Yeah. He went to like full on PTSD mode. <laughs> yeah. So I think um yeah, I think Monsters Inc. is my favorite. Should we do like classic Disney Disney? Yeah. Okay, classic Disney. Emperor's New Groove Man. Is that Disney? It's Disney. That's Disney. Why didn't I, th- I thought that was DreamWorks. Nope, that's Disney. That's crazy. That's when they started their um, blocky animation style. Yeah. Is the road to El Dorado? That's DreamWorks. That's DreamWorks. 
Miss DreamWorks. Um, who was Anastasia? That was Universal. That's Don Bluth. Chef's kiss. <laughs> um, classic Disney. Honestly, I really Fantasia. That's a good one. The original one or the two thousand? The original one with I the mop scene. Oh yeah, with Wizard Mickey and the and the mops. I always think of that. The Magician's keep, Apprentice or whatever it was yeah, called. Yeah, they just keep multiplying and you're just like... The panic um, on his face. He's just like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. I feel like as a kid, that was the first time I ever really experienced anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching that and I was like, wait, he's stressed, therefore I'm stressed. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's too many mops. How's he going to get out of this one? <laughs> Mickey, nah. Mickey makes it. Yeah, I would say Fantasia probably. Funny. That's funny. Well, thank you for the question. That was really yes, good. yes, of course. <laughs> thank you, Erica. Your Disney needs. Right. <laughs> All right. Do you want to talk about anything good? Something good. Um, well, my friend Erica's here right now, <laughs> and I'm putting on eye patches because I look tired. <laughs> I think that's just the look of the look of 2020 tired moisturizing hydrogel mask nice so we're gonna do this drink coffee and then go to the farmer's market yes nice it was just a nice easygoing day nice Sunday excursion I like it I'm just I'm thankful for that there you go be able to do that nice that's a good one what about you something good I am thankful that I don't have COVID. Yeah. Rejoice. And, uh, oh, I'm thankful that, uh, not necessarily thankful, but I'm, I put up two new merch designs on our tea public. Yes. So one is a design that says old timers on it. Nice. For our fans. Nice. That's what we're going to call our fans. They're old timers. They're old timers. and uh another shirt or just design that i made um has the little like victorian illustrations that i put of us on our about us yeah and i put in our most said quotes so yours is wow (laughs) and mine is (laughs) (laughs) brilliant and mine is, yep. <laughs> I say, yep, like a hundred times in every episode. <laughs> do I really say wow that much? You do. You say wow. <laughs> I know it's a real life, so I can attest to it, guys. <laughs> wow. And you need, to, <laughs> you need to look at the design because I put it on like a pink shirt and it looks amazing on a pink shirt. Oh, man. So yeah, okay, I've got to check it out. I'll click on the link. An RT public link. Yeah. An RT public. Apparel? There's a peril. Uh, There's a peril. Yeah. It's on like face masks and stickers. Yeah, face masks oh, and mugs. Yeah, I'm getting them all. And a mug. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. So definitely go check that out. I want your reaction to seeing it. So please click on it so I can get your reaction. <laughs> wow, yep, t-shirt. <laughs> that's so funny and then like the little tiny thing yield cream pumpkins yep now i have to get it i need it yeah yeah i'm buying it now great yep yep all of the colorways 
Wow. Yeah, I know. I that, I really like that T Public makes it so easy to like have something like this, but have it still be customized, like mm-hmm. more different colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Really nice. Shall we close? Yeah. So you can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com or on Twitter at yieldcrimepod. On Instagram, we're yieldcrimepodcast. You can mm-hmm. shoot us an email at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We're still looking for spooky stories for our October episodes. Mm-hmm. So if you have a spooky story you'd like to send us, uh, just put in the subject line October story or spooky story, something to let us know that it's for our October episodes. Mm-hmm. We always appreciate and welcome any five-star ratings and reviews wherever you listen. Yep. You can join our Patreon and become a member. I just finished the design for our exclusive patron merch. And what do mm-hmm. you think of it, Maddie? I thought it was really cool. I would become a patron just to have it, but I don't have to because I'm a host. Hey, me, 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 me. Wow. And get on over to our Tee Public to check out some of our new merch. And there will be a sale starting on Monday. So when this podcast comes out, it'll be mm-hmm. the last day of the sale. Yep. So get on it. And as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Maddie.